handle the truth. Bingo! You are now listening to the facts. Welcome back to Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains. I'm Jewel Schmitz, accompanied by James Jackson, Jake Galley, and crunching numbers in the back. We got Stat Matt. This past week in sports, Ben Simmons signed a five-year, $170 million extension with the Sixers. Novak Djokovic outdueled Roger Federer to defend his title at Wimbledon. Simona Halep beat Serena Williams in straight sets to win her second major title. The Angels threw a combined no-hitter on the night they honored Tyler Skaggs. The Phillies also survived to beat the Dodgers on a walk-off double by Bryce Harper. Here's a fact straight at you. The NBA never fails to keep you on the edge of your seat. With the trade of Russell Westbrook to Houston, it's the first time two former MVPs have played together after previously playing together on a different team in the past. Will the Rockets be able to do what the Thunder never could and win a title with these two? Mm. Uh, I mean, here's what I'll say right off the bat. Go ahead. Uh, In terms of straight value, I think we can agree Westbrook is a better player than Chris Paul. However, there's a reason that... When given the chance to play Chris Paul, or excuse me, play Russell Westbrook and play James Harden together, they chose to play Russell Westbrook and Tabo Cephalosha. It's because they do the same things. Yeah, They overlap too much, and in my opinion, I mean, I think uh, Houston will be better, but it still doesn't change the end result. I don't think this is a team that gets them to the mountaintop. I don't think it's the team, the personnel, and the play style they like to play with. I don't think that gets them uh, to that title contention either. Um, and when you look at what Chris Paul, like we said that we can agree Russell Westbrook is probably right now in his career a better player than Chris Paul is right now in his career. But what Chris Paul is able to do and is more willing to do is play off the ball um, and play off the ball better. I don't think Russell Westbrook has that great ability to be able to play off the ball because even though he's going there as a primary ball handler, the usage, like who who will still use the ball more on offense will be James Harden. It will mm-hmm. be forever be James Harden until he's not a member of the Rockets. Right. And, I mean, when you just look at the pure package that they gave up, uh, Houston sends CP3, two future firsts, and two pick swaps for Russell Westbrook. So really not even close to the hall that Anthony Davis or uh, Paul George, his former teammate, command but still a good haul for Oklahoma City yeah they have like 10 10 or 11 future picks in the next coming years they have like a legitimately a haul of picks coming in now like people on Twitter have been comparing it saying that it's better than what Hinky did and in terms of grand scale what they're doing is like Hinky times 100 because (laughs) Hinky came in and had no assets to trade during the process that's kind of the point of it right uh, Presti, on the other hand, has built up this team to where they have two superstars where you trade those two and he got more assets than Sam Hinkie did in the four years of the process. That's what I'm saying. Just because of you have those two in, huge stars. In one offseason, too. So the process, quote-unquote, that the Thunder might have to go through could end up being two or three years quicker, much quicker than the process the Sixers had to go through because you can use those assets and turn them around and we have a huge free agent market coming up in the 2021 season. I think, yeah, I mean, just to add to what you boys are saying, I think that's exactly what Presti's mentality was, mm-hmm. is trying to do a low-key rebuild, kind of like the Philadelphia 76ers did when Henke was around. Like Covington, McConnell, they weren't exactly superstars now, right. were they? And I still would not consider them to be superstars. But at the same time, 
Philly learned to love them, and I think that's what Presti's trying to rebuild mm-hmm. out in OKC right now. Yeah. Well, it's also the first time that market has ever not been competitive. Ever since they moved from Seattle, OKC has been a title contender and has been building up this core. Now that core's finally dismantled. We're going to get to see a little bit of how that market reacts to a bad team because it's real easy being a fan of a good team. That's not hard. That's true, but they're also the only thing happening in Oklahoma that's City. A, that's, but, a, that's a good counterpoint. You know, it, it, helps you, it helps you maintain loyal fans when they don't, you're not buying. No one else is buying for their attention. It's the only thing happening in Oklahoma City. Yeah, I mean, I really do think it was all in all in their best interest to run it back with Westbrook and got a little more mileage with him and maybe even Steven Adams as well. Right, we, like, gotta, can't, we can't forget the Steven exactly, Adams. Exactly, like, why there, not? Yeah. Why wouldn't you do that? Uh, Sam Presley, again, I believe he jumped the gun, but on to the Rockets. How do you guys think Harden and Westbrook will coexist? That's been I mean, the talk. We've, we've, for many different reasons on many different times, said I just don't think it will work. They will be more cohesive as a team. I think Russ and Harden like each other than CP and Harden, CP3 and Harden ever did. But their off the court chemistry is not going to translate to their on the court chemistry. Just they're, you said it. They're two players who do pretty much the exact same thing. Harden just shoots it a little bit better. Right. And like to me, when you look at how they're going to coexist, obviously they've changed. But I think you have to look back to what they did on the Thunder. And when they were on the Thunder, Harden would still like. I, I mainly look at the last year. Harden was there. The 11, 12 season when they got beat by the heat mm-hmm. in the finals um harden was coming off the bench he only started two games the entire year but he still had a better true uh, true shooting percentage than westbrook he had a higher win share than westbrook he had a higher field goal percentage than russell westbrook um and it was largely because westbrook was there a year longer he's a year older and they were just more okay with centering their team around the more established player which right. is good but like I said in the beginning, there's a reason that he didn't start with Westbrook because there's an overlap of skills. I think you're going to find that here as well. And when you go back to the how they were on the Thunder and to now, Westbrook has a huge transformation from who he was to who he is now. Harden doesn't have that big of a transformation. Harden was pretty much the same kind of player he was in OKC than he is now. He's just better. He was a mini version of himself, um, shooting threes and getting to the line. Like, uh, at a very significant amount, he's just be able to perfect that. But Westbrook's, more, Westbrook's game is different than it was in OKC. Harden's isn't that much. Yeah, I mean, Guys, comparing Harden and Westbrook, there was a stat I read this week. It says there's only two players in NBA history to have a season with a usage rate of over 40%, and that was Harden as a recent and Westbrook's MVP season. It'll definitely be interesting to see how they fit together, especially since we've seen personalities kind of clash Mm. in the past via front office decisions with this team. Westbrook can't really shoot. We all know that, and Harden loves to be on the ball. Right, and when you have, first of all, to have two players who have usage rates over 40% is wild. To smash them both on the same team, it's just it's it's further driving home that point. I just do not see it working for long term. Look, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be interesting, especially when you, from like October to December, October to January before the All-Star break. It's going to be very fun and very exciting. When it gets down to the nitty-gritty, and now we have to strategize and win games, especially late-game situations, and come playoff time, that's where you see it is going to, you're going to see it fall apart. Well, and when you look back to OKC, when you think about those late game situations, it was pretty much Harden most of the time because yeah. he was the one guy who could he could distribute and he could shoot way better than Westbrook. That was a big reason the ball was in his hands. When you look at Russell Westbrook, even when he had Kevin Durant, one of the best players in the league, he wasn't okay with deferring to Durant. And when you look at all the guys who Westbrook has played with, eventually he drives them away because he likes the ball in his hands all the time. Right. And as we said, it's not going to be an option when he's playing with James Harden, who 
ostensibly is a better on-ball player, is a better player overall. I've said this for a while. Is a better player overall than Russell Westbrook. And when you really, what you really have to look at is when you move Chris Paul and insert Russell Westbrook. Does Russell Westbrook? take away the problems that the Rockets had in previous no, seasons. I don't think so. Going on horrible shooting stretches, turning the ball over, not playing good defense. Does does he fix any of those situations? Sounds like a Russell Westbrook hallmark That's right what I'm there. saying. That's does, what he, he does. does he fix any of those? Does he upgrade you more in any of those situations than what Chris Paul did? No, Especially I don't think so. Especially on the defensive end. No, he doesn't. Right. Chris Paul's a better defender. Chris Paul's a better off-ball shooter. Like, if anything, Chris Paul is the one Chris from really... Chris Paul's a better half-court facilitator, half, yeah. better half-court game manager. Now, what you do have is a, a kind of like a two-headed monster. I'm not going to compare it to Cleveland because uh, Kyrie and LeBron, they were two different players, but they right. both handled the ball. So when you look at that situation compared to this situation, maybe you can make it work. Like pick and roll, now Capella can run pick and roll with Harden. He can run pick and roll with Westbrook. And when he does it with Westbrook, you'll have Harden wide open in the corner right. most of the time. Um, however, it's not the case when you look at that the other way around. If Russell Westbrook doesn't have the ball in his hands, He's just nowhere near as, as effective, mm -hmm. which also then leads you to believe, okay, uh, Daryl Morey had problems with Mike D'Antoni. He wanted to fire him and apparently got pushed back from leadership. They end up signing D'Antoni. Now do you consider possibly if things go south in the beginning, do they, like, move on from D'Antoni to, to get him in the new system? Like, I, I don't There's still a lot of question marks when you look at these two together. Well, I mean, and, and the biggest when you fight with D'Antoni and players is are you going to side with your head coach or are you going to side with your star player? Usually it's a star player. The star player Usually, wins out. Yeah. So if I have Russell Westbrook and Russell Westbrook saying, look, I just don't fit in this D'Antoni system, guess who gets moved? Not Russell Westbrook, Mike D'Antoni. And that's a lot of talk. We talked about how how Russell Westbrook and James Harden were on the Thunder looking back. Now let's look at what kind of players they are now, because that'll really tell us if these two are able to mix. Um, and when I look at James Harden, we already said he was a, a mini version of himself in OKC. That version has only gotten better. He shoots two and a half more threes per 36 minutes, which is what the Rockets love. He's become a better on-ball defender. Um, you know, 1.8 to 3.8 defensive win shares on the game. Uh, mm -hmm. On the games, which he's, he's always knocked for. He's, he's always, always knocked, knocked for his defense. But yep. and 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 big moment. If he's asked to step on step up on defense, James Harden can do. He's he, not going to make crazy defensive plays. He but, had two steals last year per yeah, game. That's pretty good. That's that's among league leaders. Right. Paul George led the league with two two point two or something like that. Mm -hmm. So that's among league leaders. Um, but if you look at the player Westbrook was then and he's now, he's pretty much better in every situation except for the one thing that the Rockets really <laughs> needed to do and not shoot the ball. Russell Westbrook is a worse shooter now than he was back then. He attempts more threes per game, but shoots a worse percentage. You can tell me exactly what percentage he shoots from uh, three. Yeah, he shoots 29%. Same as who? Mr. Markel Fultz, yeah. who, by the way, can't shoot threes. Um, there's a stat out there that I saw. So of the players, there's like, I forget exactly how many players, but out of players to shoot 2,500 three-point attempts, so really mm -hmm. more modern era guys. The highest ever was Steph Curry, right? We can we can of predict that. Of course, the lowest out of all of them was Don't Russell tell me Westbrook. It was, Russ. it was Russell Westbrook and MPG. Like uh, for a guy who shoots so much, he cannot be as bad as he is at it. Uh, like we talked about, though, there are redeeming fa factors in Russell Westbrook's game. He won an MVP. He's a very good player. He's a walking triple double. Um, when you look at, I think for him to be effective on his new team he's going to have to be penetrator kick out or drive to the rim which he's very good at doing yeah he's very good at creating for himself getting to the rim which is what Harden does but Harden's looking to draw fouls so I think the defense reacts a little differently when it's Westbrook because they know that he doesn't really want to get fouled he's not that great of a right. uh, shooter so I think it 
it re, it makes the defense react a little bit more. And because of that, guys like Eric Gordon, guys like James Harden, will be left open in the corner or wherever they are at at the three-point line. And maybe that's where you work around to we still get those three-point shots. It's just not Russell Westbrook taking them. Right. But, and you just got to hope that then. You got to hope that Russell Westbrook is the one driving most often um, because the, the two areas, the Rockets, like the Rockets' offense is predicated on three things. Three-point shots, layups, and foul shots. Okay? But let's take the layups out of it because everyone right, in the layup NBA— Layup slash dunk, whatever. Yeah, right. everyone, everyone can make a layup or a dunk. But Russell Westbrook has also had a huge slide in free throw percentage going from 82% of his career to 65% last year. Yeah, that's like, like uh, that that's is guard, that is, And that's from, that's from that year that we were talking about, right. from the Thunder year in 11-12 to this past year. I mean— 20%, it's like something is fundamentally wrong. For for a person who drives the lane as much and as ferocious as he does and how many fouls he's going to draw to shoot 65%, it's like to, to have the ball in his hands that much, he's like, it's Russell Westbrook. We know what kind of player he is. If he has the ball in his hands under two minutes and it's coming off a swing, guess what? Russell Westbrook is driving. And guess yeah. what? He's probably going to get fouled. So now you're relying on a 65% free throw shooter at the end of games to knock down probably what will be pivotal free throws and you know why that clashes because james harden as for the last what three four years has both attempted and made the most free free throws in the nba so you're taking valuable free throws from the best free throw shooter in the league the one who shoots them the most to a guy who shoots sub 70 yeah and if you like just a general rule like if you're going to be inefficient um, and everything else, like Westbrook is when he's shooting the ball, you have to be efficient from the line. You have to make people respect you, not want to foul you. You're giving a defender an out if you can't shoot a free throw, which, like, when you look at raw stats, a guy, another guy who can't really shoot, another guy who is a walking triple-double, so to speak, is Ben Simmons. He's another guy And who, there it is. And there it is. The, the time of the episode that it comes back to Ben Simmons and the Sixers. It all there comes it back. We hit it early Why wouldn't this, it? We, we hit it early like, this time. <laughs> crackpot, like... Strings, it all connects back to Sam Hinkie and the Sixers I feel like in the process. You ever seen that one? Uh, you ever seen 20, 21 Jump Street and that mm-hmm. one scene where they're trying to put all the yarn and try to see who did it? And Ice Cube looks at him and goes, What are you guys, autistic? Like, I feel like that's every time <laughs> but, Jake does this. but seriously, but seriously, like, if you had to compare him to another player, okay, so like another team who has two great players, one of which can't really shoot, and the other which is very good and dominant with their ball in the ha- with the ball in their hands. Joel Embiid and the Sixers and Ben Simmons, they fit that. So when you look at Russell Westbrook, can he get away playing the Ben Simmons role of, like, not just being a pure facilitator? Like, can he get away doing that? I don't— Not in the Rockets' offense. You don't think so? Because like, James I, Harden's the only other—in the Sixers, it's different because you have Joel Embiid who can score. You have Tobias Harris who can score. You have two other scores on your offense. If you take Russell Westbrook away from a primary scoring role in the Rockets' offense, you are left to legit one score. Yeah. And we've seen that when CP3 goes down and James Harden is legit the only other scorer and he's relying on P.J. Tucker's 15 points a game, he doesn't really get it done. But there is, let's play devil's advocate, because there is a scenario in which these two could coexist. Mm -hmm. Let me throw out a stat to you. In NBA history, 10 teams in the past had had two qualifying players with a usage rate above 30%, which Harden and Westbrook both are. Five of those teams have made the NBA Finals, and then other three teams reach the NBA conference finals in their conference. In today's NBA, if we use those same stats, there'd be a couple teams that would do that. Uh, LeBron and AD so the, on the mm-hmm. Lakers, Kawhi and PG on the Clippers, and KD and Kyrie get very, very close yeah, on the I think Nets. I was looking at I think like KD had 29% uh, usage rate. So, so if we follow that pattern, 
We're looking at the the Rockets in the Western Conference exactly. Finals at least. Well, I I guess, but then I mean, all these teams can't make the Western. Three of those teams are in the Western are in Conference. The West, right. So like, yes, uh, ten out of the ten teams, eight of them have at least reached the Conference Finals, but. That is not considering the fact that they're going up against other teams other, who have the, the exact, exact same, same thing. thing. Right. Um, and like I said, like I do think that Russell Westbrook will make it out of the first round. I think, you know, while Harden and Westbrook aren't really great postseason career guys, the combined talent of the two, plus you have Capella, who's a useful player, I don't see them failing completely in the postseason. But when it comes down to it, are you taking them over LeBron and AD? Are you taking them over Kawhi and PG? Hell, are you taking them over... Clay and Steph and Draymond. I, personally, I can't do that right no, now. No, because all those other teams and all those other players play different positions. Like, you look at all the... The closest is Kawhi and PG, and you could probably say that they play different positions. Right, but they, they have a, a very wide ranging of skill sets that even when one is doing something, the other can exist off-ball, where with Russell Westbrook, that's not the case. So. Yeah. Um, and then we go into the flip side of this. What created this matchup or this re- reunited state... Um, with Westbrook and Harden is the fact that the Rockets traded my man's Chris Paul <laughs> over the OKC Thunder. Um, I think our statistician Statman had a little too, bit too much fun with making this um, this next little segment here. He he, he literally tied it. Paul may be washed, which he might. he's lucky. I'm he a very might. peaceful person because when I read that on the script, I was not happy. And I'm not going to say he's washed because washed would mean that he's not really useful anymore. They're he's all, not they're a lot. He's Mello not mellow. Mellow is washed. washed. Yep. Yep. Mellow is washed. Chris Paul's not mellow. Um, but from 2007 to 2018, Chris Paul shot 47.9% and never had a field goal percentage below 46%. In 2018, 2019, that dipped to 41% mm-hmm. from the field. He also had his 56% true shooting percentage last year, and that's his second lowest uh, in his season, or second lowest season in his career. Look, I know Chris Paul's not the player he once was. Everybody knows that. He's lost a step. He's had a lot of surgeries. He's had a lot of injuries. But there are a lot of teams that could still use Chris Paul and what he brings. The fact that he was still a second option on a team who probably – could have and probably should have made it to the Western Conference Finals. Let you know that right there and then. Right. But I just think he was in too big of a role with the with the Rockets. He just needs to be able to take a step back and whatever team he's on, and we'll see a productive Chris Paul again. Right. Well, I mean, the real question is is, and we'll get into it a little bit is is where is he going to go? Because we talk about that monster contract that makes it hard to move for OKC. I don't blame him for taking on Chris Paul. Right. Chris Paul's still a very useful player, look, as you said. There's a lot of players who, a lot of players, the Warriors make a living off this, who have come out of their prime, moved their role, and now ate a championship-level team. Regardless of an Andre Iguodala, we could say Ray Allen with the Heat. We could say Jason Kidd with the Mavs. We could say a lot of people who have moved their roles, as guards even, and if, you may have to come off the bench. You may have to play but that, that, 20 minutes a game. And, and that is really the bit like Jason Kidd on the Mavericks. Took a step back. He was a, a very good part of that. Um, but it really just takes the step back. Sure. And now that Chris Paul is a member of the Thunder, right. OKC realistically has a couple options and scenarios they can pull right now, right? Mm-hmm. Scenario one, OKC buys out Chris Paul, making him an unrestricted free agent. Look, yeah. and, and we there was a, a report that came from Woj actually mm-hmm. today, today, right, right yep. before this episode, that says that's becoming least, least, less and less likely, sorry, less and less likely um, as it comes on that he may be a member of the Thunder at least to start the season. But... Let's just let's go into fairy tale land and say that OKC does buy him out. 
where should he go? Where, right. where, where would he have the best impact? I know um, my answer right off the get-get. So, right, and I, I know I don't mean to steal your thunder, but I do think the Pun most intended. likely, if he gets bought out and if he's willing, like, look, like, all right, my career as a superstar is over. I'm out of here. I got to do what you said. I got to fit in. I got to be somewhat of a role player. The Los Angeles Lakers, it would take a vet minimum. I don't know if he's, like, prepared to go that far yet. If he did, and he does join his buddy LeBron up there, I think that they could be a very dangerous team. A very dangerous team. Yeah, again, they may not buy him out, but I think it's definitely possible for him to be bought out right now, especially with the last few years in his career and in the league. Being a vet, you want to be on a winning team, right? It's not so much about the money. You just want to finish strong. I don't think it's necessarily a huge issue to him, but... He's signed two Supermaxes, including yeah. this one. He's just trying to win a ring, and I could see him doing that in L.A., and I That's agree with you. I, I hope that he's just trying to win a ring. Like, if you look at Chris Paul's career resume, he's accomplished pretty much everything you could right. hope to set out to right. accomplish as a player. Your top 10 in steals, your top 15, I believe he's close to top 10 in assists. He's going to be one of the best point guards of, the best point guard of all time. All time. Yeah. He's a first-class ticket to to Springfield to go in the Hall of Fame. What's the one thing off that resume yeah. that keeps he your legacy ring, going yeah. from decades to decades to decades? And that's that ring. And not only is it that ring, but you win it in a place like Los Angeles and my man, you're stamped in NBA history. They're stacked. You're stacked there, there's in NBA also history. precedent. Because look at like Gary Payton, Carl Malone, guys who love joining. They joined LA to try and grab a ring, um, I believe with, with Shaq and Kobe. Mm-hmm. So that that's definitely not out of the question Again, it just really comes down to Chris Paul. Does he want to do that, or would he rather be making decent money uh, for a team like Minnesota? But here's the thing. If OKC buys out his contract, he got the rest of that money. They bought him out. They gave it to him. You know right. what I mean? That's true. So, like, you, That's get, true. you get that money, and you get it right then and All there. Right. So wait then, for anymore. then tell me, what, Jewel, what is the other scenario? Let's move on to scenario two, which okay. OKC finds a trade partner to deal CP3 to. And that, look, I think that's that's their second option. That's what they want to do because they want to be able to get something for. They got something for us. They got a whole lot for us. They got a whole lot for PG. I don't think Sam Presti's in the mood of their market right now to just let Chris Paul walk for nothing. He's gonna want right. to get something for well, him. Well, and that is as we alluded to. Uh, Wadge said that the Thunder tried to trade Chris Paul, but there's uh, an increasingly likely scenario that he will start the season on OKC. You know why? It's the boogie thing. Right, not a huge market for him. Yeah, right not now. a huge market, but th- that's a lot because of the contract, like we talked about. Uh, I, it's for good reason that there's there's not a market, and right. it's not even because he's he's a bad player. I think that he can still be very useful. It's just for what price? Because if you're a team like Miami who would love to have Chris Paul then you're going to have to give up a big chunk of your team to make that money yeah, work. Is think, that worth it? I don't think so. And it, it also sucks that it's coming. this is coming after all the moves and free agency have been made because teams have spent their money. Teams got their package. They don't want they, they don't want to move it again. Like I think he could be really good on like Indiana, a team who has a lot of pieces and are missing a really good point guard role. Well, they, they brought but in they, Brogdon, though, so it's like eat right could, there, boom. But Brogdon has been one of the Brogdon. best players off the bench and for right, the he past said, couple no, years. If you can get Chris Paul, Brogdon becomes Put Brogdon secondary. Brogdon the bench, right. But I'm just saying like back to your point of everyone's already the money's already spent the, pieces, the moves yeah. are already moved like they would probably have loved to do that instead of the brogdon deal it's just they can't do it they now. can't do it anymore so it, it really and i i, I, I can't i see do him. not want to have to become a timberwolves fan like i hope that yeah, i don't be rough. i don't hope that, i can't i can't see him getting traded i don't know i don't i really don't know I, okay sure right you'd have every jersey the color of the rainbow at that i really point. would i'm going the shack this yeah the shit where shacks like every color of the rainbow exactly third scenario yeah i mean just what you just just find what you guys said what it's mostly going to look like OKC keeps Chris Paul and he plays as a member of the Thunder. Look, I mean, 
there are worse things. At least my expectations are low. Right. Like, well, if he goes, if he goes to a team that contends, I'm looking for him to do well. I'm looking for the team to do well. If he stays with the Thunder, like, well, I just hope he doesn't get hurt. Well, I, no, but can they not sneak into the playoffs with that? Like, no, think about their not lineup. The West, no, think not the West. Lineup. No, not the West. No, not the West. Think about their lineup because really, all it takes. So they'd have Chris Paul. Uh, they had Shea Gilders Alexander, who I really, really like, and I think he could actually also learn a, a ton. Guard. He's he, also a point guard, though. right? But he could just like Harden can also be a point guard. They, they a little bit ambiguous. He's a combo guard, right? Um, but they also have Gallinari, Stephen Adams. They have some up, upside guys in Hamadou Diallo, who's not really anything right now, but he could be something. Um, that like all they'd really have to do is be better than the Spurs, the Pelicans, or like the Mavs. In my opinion, those are the team. And uh, Dennis Schroeder, we forgot to mention as well. And Dennis Schroeder. So like, so you got three. You have three point guards, and you still have Chris Paul. Probably even still with his age and his mileage, probably still the best player on that right, team. No, he's still like a borderline All Star player. And I love in the West, I, maybe not. But and I love Chris Paul. He's my favorite player of all time. He's no one's best player right now. Yeah. He's just not your best player. And if he is on the Thunder, if he is your best player, you are legitimately looking at a 30, 30 to thirty five win season, which will not get you into the playoffs but like, in the Western Conference. So like this doesn't really Any necessarily right? work. Specifically, but OKC's never been a loser. What if they say, "Look, this isn't who we are. We're we're not losers," and they go ahead and trade like six of those picks for someone like uh, I don't know, like four of those picks for D'Angelo Russell um, at the th- trade deadline. Yeah, th- so that doesn't really work because once again, we already talked about the guards, but just someone like that, like another star, to where they're now once again I'm like more a comfortable. Very I'm team. more comfortable with D'Lo playing off the ball than I am Shea Gillis. Say Gilgis Alexander playing off the ball. Right. Like I'm very, I'm much more comfortable. And then if with you that. move Chris Paul later, then you still are set up because you have the young star in a guy like D'Lo, and you have a young star in Shea the, Gilgis Alexander. The only thing that keeps that uh, that vision alive for me is the fact that they haven't moved Stephen Adams yet, or they did. I don't know if they tried to. It's I don't know if he like was the in same packages. situation, in my opinion. He has another big contract. Another big contract, but he's st- that's a very, very useful play. You're gonna tell me teams out there wouldn't be able to take on Stephen, wouldn't be willing to take on Stephen Adams' contract to be on his team. I mean, depending on the team. Once again, the moves are already made, and, and a lot of the money's already tied up. And a st- guy like Stephen Adams isn't going to change your team enough. Where, but he's only, you're unloading multiple role players or multiple picks for him. But he's only you, uh, whoever trades for Stephen Adams gets a very good big who's still in his mid twenties. There's not much mileage on him. He just just in the past two or three years became the Stephen Adams that is now. So what I mean, I mean, so like he still has a long, I, longe- uh, a long longevity of a he, career. He reminds me of like. Jonas Valanciunas, how yeah. the Raptors treat him, kind of like almost the same player. Um, but it'll it'll be interesting. Look, I don't even know. I can't. I cannot predict the. Oh, actually, I did predict the NBA last episode. Oh, relax. Check out check out our Instagram. <laughs> it's but, you can't let him have. But he's tooting his own horn over is, there. It is hard to predict the NBA for sure. If this offseason told us anything, it is you cannot predict anything in the NBA. Yeah, for sure. All right, guys, now that the NBA season is dying down a bit, let's uh, shift over to the changes the major leagues are kind of making between the NFL, the MLB, and the NBA. Uh, let's start start with the very corporate NFL. Mm. Very corporate indeed. Yeah. The, the NFL could get, really get flipped sideways if, if some of these rule changes um, get, come into place. The first big thing, um, and this is very new, is that they're kicking around the idea of an 18-game regular season but only a 16-game limit for players, so it'd be 18 games for the teams. But you have to sit. But you have two to sit. You know what I mean? Okay. But like you, you each player can only play 16 right, 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 games. Right. Uh, I think I'm on the fence about that. For the NFL, that's good. For the players, I don't know. I mean, I guess you're still only playing 16 games. You think like you're still going to even maybe like you're you're injured for two games and they're right there 
is your two games that you miss. Right. Um, the players' but, union has already rejected the right, proposal. They've already rejected, they, they that, do, that doesn't mean that it'll get totally nixed, though. To me, it's all about greed. The, this, this, uh, of like, course. Of course. Screams greed to me. The, the NFL. Does the NFL do? I started it with greed. its corporate. It, it's it's a money pit, is what yeah, it is. It is. It's strategizing, uh, strategizing essentially to accommodate people's schedules. Right. You play most of your games on a Sunday night so people can watch. The whole idea of them adding the two games just means they're cutting out the preseason games, right? Mm. This, which is good. I like Which, I like which, which I don't disagree with, but this idea would affect the fans, the players, the coaches, the, the whole night. Fantasy Everything. football, that's the biggest one. Listen yeah. to this. Fans, you're robbing fans when they potentially buy tickets to see, say, second, yes. third string players yes. that they don't want their money going towards. Yes. No offense to you second and third round players, but that's exactly no, what's going to happen. It's the whole reason the NBA finds you for sitting your best players just because of rest because right. fans buy tickets to see LeBron. That's how, 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 do you, how do you solve that quarterback issue, too? Like, you know right. what I mean? Well, like, shifting all, around your players like what that. What it would be is you got two games where you got a real stinky quarterback running out there for most teams. But but there are some teams in the in the NFL, a very select few, but there are some teams who can't afford or at least can't predict this is when I can sit my player because they may need that game. We may need to win this game. Well, then we it comes be... down to it. But, right, but that, that, it just adds in another fold. Uh, with anything so groundbreaking as this would be, you know, the changing of how many games you play, mm-hmm. there's going to be people who are adversely affected and there's going to be people who benefit from it. The reason I don't think it will happen is because, well, actually, you know what? This could be, now I'm thinking about this could be a reason why it maybe does. It affects fantasy football so much. And when you look at why, part of the reason why the NFL is so dominant is because it has a huge underbelly of this fantasy football where there are thousands of people who may not even be football fans who are playing oh man devoted football fans who are playing fantasy sports this now makes it much more difficult to there's, do that there's a whole following we've all three of us have talked to someone who you can tell doesn't really know a look about the game of football but that can rattle you off stats because they play fantasy football i, just don't, I don't think you should fix what's not broken Thank you, <laughs> like, right. i think you should you say know, how it you is. know what really <laughs> happens you know those meaningless thursday night games that get played that's the one that's the one <laughs> if i'm gonna sit my quarterback it's gonna be on thursday night when sure. the patriots are playing the freaking right that, dolphins. those, those like, dolphins bills games yeah, on thursday night fuck, why am i gonna play dreadful. why am i gonna play my my starting quarterback on three days rest no right yeah, that's a good point. Um, but Should have had a second bye week for all that. Yeah, true. And, and like I think that this is all stuff that will get talked about. The CBA, which is upcoming for the NFL, I'm su- as a football fan, I'm super worried. Yeah. I'm super worried that we're, oh, we're headed for a lockout. We're headed for a yeah, lockout. Yeah, another lockout, which may, may be a good thing for some of these players to heal up. Um, but what if, what if we get an NFL lockout season like we got an NBA lockout season, they all just go and run random That's what I'm saying is that, like now, Random seven on sevens everywhere. In the social media age, like, I like that. To watch like what an NFL player will just do in his spare time would be uh, pretty interesting. Go join Mike Vick's flag football league. There's also another big rule change that will really affect the landscape of the NFL that could um, that could be coming in the next CBA agreement would be the ability to challenge pass interference calls called against you. Yeah, I think every big. NFL head coach and franchise and fan would is going to love that if that gets implemented. Yeah, you know who won't like it? NFL referees. Oh, yeah. They're not going to be able to call anything. It's already, like, one of the most judgmental calls. Like, I just don't know. No, it's the most judgmental call in sports. It that is. That and, like, a travel. I mean, but but it's you're, you're going to look back, and then it's just the same judgment process. You go over, like, maybe you missed something where, like, two out of ten times you can look back and say, oh, he definitely wasn't holding here. It was just, like, in the heat of the moment I saw something different. But overall, 
I just don't know how this helps because you're, you're still going to go into, oh, they overturned that. But in my opinion, that's that's still pass interference. I mean, I mean but it's any it should go with any replay and any challenge call. You should only be able to, to overturn it if it's clear and undisputable evidence, which many of these pass interference calls aren't clear and undisputed. There's so much hand-checking, so much movement that goes on that even when you slow down the video, it's so blurry that you can't possibly tell if he clearly was holding, if he clearly was a pass interference or not. Yeah, true. You know I, I mean? don't know. Well, we'll see. I mean, these changes, any change with the NFL is always a big one because, as you said, they're so corporate um, and, and they're, they're so regimented, but it'll be interesting. What yeah. about the changes with the MLB here with the mechanical umps versus talking to players during the game that's debuted in the Atlantic League recently during their All-Star game Last week, other changes also included mound visits being eliminated aside from pitching changes and injuries, increasing mm-hmm. the size of the bases as well by three inches and reducing the time between innings by 30 seconds. Per Jeff Passan saying this first group of experimental changes is designed to create more balls in play, defensive action, base running, and improve player safety. What do we think? I think I mean, I think the MLB is just worried about how can we make our product more exciting and less yeah. boring, yep. less downtime. Which they're they're going to try to do everything they can. Now at least they're actively putting their mind to it like beforehand it was oh no baseball is perfect the way it is at least now like i don't agree really with any of these changes to be honest the mechanical umps is going to be like a fight that you have throughout history i don't think mlb will ever get mechanical umps um or like a thing that will tell you based on where the ball is if it's a strike close i mean espn puts up k zone and you can clearly i I don't think for for the integrity of the game i don't know you're really changing I mean, sports everything has about to have baseball. a human element in it. Well, exactly. Sports has to hey, have a human from element. From my understanding, what when they were testing it out last week, they were still using an umpire to overrule like missed calls. And computers make mistakes all the time, right? right. So yeah. it, that's you, you need the umpire there. And can you imagine something like that going wrong in the city of Philadelphia? There would be a freaking oh, uproar. God. If you remember, oh, there would be uh, an uproar. The hitchhike bot that made it all around the world hitchhiking. Uh, from place to place, it was a robot that said, "Hi, I'm Hitchhike Bot. Ha ha, take me wherever, I drop me off wherever." That. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you didn't remember it because it got destroyed in Philadelphia. Good. It went <laughs> all over the world, went to Philadelphia, and got busted to bits. Can you imagine <laughs> if like, one of those things blew <laughs> we'll a call talk to you. in in Citizens Bank Park? Uh, it, there would be some people waiting for it to be wheeled outside. That, that's a good point. Love my uh, I actually don't. <laughs> I actually don't like the mound visits, eliminating mound visits either. Like this, what this way? Like you think that players are robots out there? Like no. Right. Sometimes a, a pitcher is in there rattled and he needs his pitching coach to come out and calm him down. Now we bring the whole infield in. We can strategize around it. We can help you out. What do you need to do differently? You eliminate that just for. Uh, pitching changes, like no, like you got to leave the human element in sports, mm-hmm. man. I, I I'm on the fence about this one. This one's very interesting to me for a couple reasons. One, when you're doing a mound visit, you're completely right. That's like the relationship between the coach and the player, and that would it, it would definitely speed up the games, though. Yeah, right. Yeah. But, right. That, well, but that's, that's also what part. makes the excitement of the games. However, you, you got to look at it on the flip side too. There's like various other ways that you can call your plays and do signs mm-hmm. without going to the mound between the pitcher. It yes, could. you can. Yes, you can. You can do, you know, the... Uh, like all the, the different... The plays are right, in there. Right, right. Just like touches, running. Shin guard, chest protector, right. face right, right. mask. But that's, but that's not what a mound visit is for. Like, I can play devil's advocate here and say maybe it wouldn't speed up the game because maybe that mound visit helped the, the pitcher get under right. control and get those next two batters out. Instead, now you just have a rattled pitcher right, out there and also, getting knocked around right, the whole The inning. alternative is if you're not making a mound visit, then if you wanted to get your pitcher out of there, in this scenario, you can't visit the mound. You're like, all right, well, he's rattled clearly. I can't talk to him, so let me get him out of there. 
then instead of a mound visit, you have a pitching change, which is a commercial break. So right. you also see like catchers wearing the little wristbands that like football players use right. now to, with all the plays too. So it, right. it's interesting to see. Right. Yeah, that'll be one more, one more league. What about the increasing of the size of the base by three inches? I mean, are you just gonna make the base bigger for them to like cling on to? I don't see what that does right, either. That doesn't really. I mean, whatever, base running, I guess, but. Yeah, to to me that that's a, that's a non. I think they want a base bigger so players have. I, I'm I'm just a guessing better chance a better chance of sliding in better. and hitting a spot of the base so they're safe so they can right. get around and score, score more runs. I don't know. I think that's. I I think they could do that. And no one would notice. By the way, I think they're doing it for injury sake. Uh, to me, they're they're making first it a little base bit. makes sense. Like you first know, base makes softball sense, right. like and first base has a second base next to it. Like has like a, a yellow base next to it. That that's where the runner steps and then the. Uh, the first baseman stays on the mm-hmm. white base. The back, yeah. I could kind of see that, but just making it bigger. Three, what does three inches do? Well, yeah, no, because think about it. First base is game-changing. You'd see so many more hits on base because that's, like, the prime base to get on and do your thing. But I agree with you. Like, like get a little dirty. Like, like whatever. Right. Keep, it th- keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Whatever. And re- reducing the time between innings... They're looking to change the pace of play. Gets rid of that feeling of the unknown. They've already done that, though. They've already shortened the, the time in between innings. Right. Um, there's one more league that's looking to do some stuff. None of which, really, I agree with. And that's that's the NBA. Um, starting with this midseason NBA Cup. I don't know yeah, in what in what little... scope this makes sense, but it's a, a an attempt to try to fix the quote unquote boring regular season which by the way we probably will have one right, of no the longer most, boring one of the most exciting problem. nba yeah. regular seasons in a while um by raising the stakes also season length will be an issue now if you think the regular season is boring now you're just making it longer and all all that it does is gives a chance for bad teams to like win something because well, i don't right. see a team like the lakers going for the nba cup if they have an actual NBA championship on the line, right, yeah. that, that's kind of I think the point to maybe like give tanking teams some incentive. Like I was for it, then I've read more about it, and I'm probably against it now that I think about it. They want to have it during All Star Weekend. It's like and, the FA and, Cup in the Premier League, right, exactly, exactly, and that's played all throughout the season. So that's a like this would be one tournament during All Star break, like in the middle of the season. But how I, does this make anything better? Players already because, complain about load management. They right, already right. complain about back to back nights. It's it's. it's to give extra incentive to bad teams to not tank because you have something that might be meaningful, but in what regard is it? Me- is that more meaningful than getting the number one pick? Like, mm. probably not. So if you win the FA, or if you win FA Cup, if you win the NBA Cup, are you still in the regular season, the grand scheme of the NBA? Say if you're, you know, the Suns, and the Suns still have the worst record in the overall regular NBA season, but somehow win the NBA Cup, are they still, are they still the first... Don't have the most big right. well, in the lottery. Well, and, and that's why these were just to make clear, nothing this is not, not happening yet. Yeah. This is they were exploratory talks, just brainstorming, but probably having um, the same conversation in the NBA board. Right, someone that we probably right said here. the same exact thing. Yeah. Uh, all I would say, like, what if it was something like you get an automatic bid to the playoffs if you win? And that way middling teams who in the West, like a team like OKC might have more incentive to instead of destroy their team might have more incentive to go and do that obviously like i'm just like spitballing here this is nothing that is set in stone but like if you're fighting for a playoff spot that's a lot different and a lot more teams are going to be interested in it than say if it's just a regular hey pat on the back hey good job you won the Mm midseason tournament you know uh nba is also trying to implement a challenge flag coaches may challenge a personal foul charge to their team uh, a call out of bounds violation a goaltending violation or a basket interference violation again this is all uh, hypothetical nothing's been nailed down but these are talks that are kicked around 
that is more useful than anything about an NBA Cup ever will No, be. 100%. And, like, basketball, you want to talk about decisions and being hard on the referees, it happens in a split second, yeah. a lot of these calls. And the NBA officials have to make more calls than a lot of NFL or any other sport have to make. This would allow, at least if there's something egregious, like the one that pops out to me is when Kevin Durant is, like, running yeah. out of bounds, grabs <laughs> the ball, and throws, throws it back in, and it's like, out of bounds for like five seconds. They don't get mm-hmm. it. That would change under this ruling. Also, a basket interference call because there are some basket interferences that get missed uh, and some goaltends that get missed. And if you're able to challenge that and go back and get that call right, that's right. Look, well, look, it's the game's already stopped enough. Like if we're, it's already in the last two minutes going to the monitor for everything. So if we're gonna do it, you might as well be able to challenge everything. So and you, get every call. You'll right. have to. And this, I think, is going to be implemented. This is a they called it a pilot for this NBA season. You are unlike the other things, you're going to be able to do this. Okay. Um, but you're going to have to burn a timeout to do it. And also, the other thing to to kind of counter what you said a little bit is that a lot of these violations, like a goaltending violation, out-of-bounds, basket interference, uh, there's going to be a stop and play anyway because yeah. the foul's called. Right. So I don't know. I like it. We'll see how it turns out. Um, I'm going to love to see my man Brett Brown chuck that thing out there. Get fired up a little bit. All there's right. another he's, drawback to the Sixers, he's, and uh, he's starting to. He's starting I think to we say went full stuff, circle. Joel. You always got to circle NBA. back every couple segments. No, he's you starting just to say weird stuff. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's shift over to the countdown, guys. Number five. The number of sets it took Novak Djokovic to defeat Roger Federer in their epic Wimbledon's finals match. I'm not like a huge tennis guy, but I did catch a piece of this match. Uh, these are two legends going at it. And, Five hour long match. And, and tennis as a sport. The the greats, when it comes down to that, there is no sport that compares with longevity. Like, yeah, no. Maybe hockey. I, I like. Think, they, well, it feels like they've been good for like twenty years. Well, think about think about all the greats, men's and women in tennis. They've all been great for decades now. Right? Yeah. Federer, yeah, Federer uh, Djokovic, and Nadal all been great for decades. Serena Williams been great for decades. Sharapova been great for a long time. Like they've all yeah, these been guys really are good. all in it. Sloane Stevens is starting that ascension of being good for a very very long time. They've all been that way. It's like. Tennis and golf. If you don't got to rely on anybody else, right, you yeah, can maintain. Right, you track, can maintain a level. All those, all those yeah, sports, I mean? yeah. Right. Number four. Number four. The number of 2016, 2017 first and second team All NBA players still on their team. That's James Harden, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Steph Curry, and Rudy Gobert. We've we've said it for the last two episodes. There's been a lot of shifting and a lot of change in the NBA, but these players right here are remaining on the same. And aside from Rudy Gobert, those are probably three players that are probably going to end up on the first team well, next and year. And also, to be fair, I don't. I don't think Giannis and Gobert have had a chance to flee yet no, yeah. to another team. I think they've been under contract. Maybe Curry had a chance to. I think he re-upped in that time frame. But Curry was the first two hundred dollar right two hundred million extension. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, those guys. That's a that's a really good group of players. Yeah, right that's, there. that's elite class right there. Yeah. Number three. The number AD will wear since Nike did not let LeBron gift Anthony Davis his number twenty three due to a surplus of new LeBron jerseys. This almost went perfect for LeBron. It almost went perfect, and then Nike said, "No, we're still business. You well, can't do us like that." Want to bet that in Space Jam, Anthony Davis is wearing number twenty three? Hey, dude, nice shirt. I might bet. Yeah, I have the Space oh, Jam shirt Boom. on. Oh, look at that! Boom. Yeah, I didn't. Even, I completely forgot I had the shirt on. Good catch. Five. Good catch, Joel. Number two. Number two. The number of QBs to win fifty plus games in a four year span since nineteen ninety. Those are the two best of the modern era, and that's Brady and Manning right there. Um, I'm gonna say this just because I know it's gonna get under Stat Matt's skin. Tom Brady's the best quarterback of all time. If I ever have a chance to say it, uh, I'm Tom going Brady's to say the greatest. He's not the best. Great. Greatest, not the best. Has what does that even mean? Uh, he has the best. 
same like I think it's it's kind of like the same argument as LeBron versus Jordan. Jordan probably has like more resume stuff, but in terms of when you look at actual players, so he's saying that Peyton Manning's an actually better player. He doesn't have a better resume, though. Bringing it down to number one. The amount of road series that the Kansas City Royals have won this year, that is numero uno. Uh, It's like you look away, you blink. And, like, Kansas City went from being someone who was contending for a title to winning one road series uh, over halfway through the year. How does that happen? Yeah, they won a title three years. It hasn't been that long. They won a title like, three <laughs> so years like, ago, twenty four, four years, years ago. ago. Yeah, I mean, 2015, like, 2016. Like, that's been that long, and now they're, like, they're one of the worst teams in baseball yeah, again. It's craziness. And life comes at you fast, even what we live in. But that's all the episode, all the time we have for this episode today. It was a great one. Big ups to Greg Barron, Kyle Sobieski, and Stab Matt Robinson behind the camera. From my partner, Jules Schmitz. It's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun. To my main man's Jake Galley, I'm James Jackson. And these have been the facts. Straight up.